Welcome to Journey. I'm Adam. And I'm Maddie, and we're interns here. Here at Journey, our mission statement is to see people far from God become passionate Christians who make a difference in the world. If you're new around here, you should fill out one of these connection cards. You can find one in the seat pocket in front of you, and if you drop it off at one of the tables in the lobby, we have a free gift for you. If you'd like to fill out the connection card digitally, you can text the words Journey Connect to the number on the screen. Growth Track Step 4 is happening this weekend. At Step 4, you'll have a chance to join a ministry team and make a difference right here at Journey. Growth Track is at 9.30 a.m. on Sundays. You can text the number on the screen to learn more. We're in the midst of 21 days of prayer. For the next two weeks, we will continue to worship and pray at 6 a.m. Monday through Friday and 9 a.m. on Saturdays. If you haven't joined us for a prayer service yet, it's not too late to start. We hope to see you tomorrow at 6 a.m. Make sure to follow us on social media to stay connected throughout the week. Thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. Now it's time to get ready for the next message. City. I have never seen so many Patrick Mahomes jerseys as I did in the nursery this morning. Y'all are trying to brainwash your kids. Like I'm walking back there thinking, this community brainwashes its children. There's so many little 15s running around in the nursery and preschool area. Man, we're so glad that you're here today. Welcome to week four of Vision Month. Um, we're going to be in Isaiah 43 today. Great piece of scripture, prophetical scripture from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 43 is where we're going to hang out. You can go ahead and turn there. If you've got strings in your Bible and you've never known what those were for, those are to save your place. You might, because it's going to be a while before we get to Isaiah 43, throw those strings in there just in case you lose your place. Put your notes so that you can follow along and take notes today as we find ourselves in week four of Vision Month. This week actually ties to a brand new series we're starting next week. I'm so excited. Next week we start a series called Jesus People. We will study from next week to Easter in Matthew chapter 9, 10, and 11, and we will see what Jesus people look like through the lens of nine things that Jesus' early followers realized about what it would take to be like him and to follow him and to live his mission. It's going to be an incredible several months in Matthew 9, 10, and 11 as we go back to just verse-by-verse teaching in the book of Matthew. What we're going to learn is who Jesus wants us to become and what Jesus wants us to do, with, which fits like a hand and a glove with the premise of Vision Month. This whole series is about reminding us who we've been called to be in Jesus and what we've been called to do by Jesus. Who are we supposed to be? What are we supposed to do? Today's going to be a fun day answering that question corporately. Who has God called Journey to be? What has God called Journey to do? And if you're a part of our congregation, how does that work for you? What does that mean for you? In February of 2019, we were getting ready to knock down that wall so that we could add 400 seats to this auditorium. Um, We were simply out of space, so we were trying to figure out how do we put more people in our church, and we were going to knock down this wall, and we were going to put 400 more seats um, in this room. We were going to double the size of this room. No extra kid space, um, no atrium, very little new parking, um, no new land, honestly, very little faith, very little building, um, and lots of problems. And as we were getting ready to kind of roll that campaign out to our church right after Easter, I felt like God spoke to my heart and said, Christian, stop, just stop. 
because you are planning for your church what you think your church can do instead of planning for your church what you think I can do. Stop. Stop. Stop and ask me what I have planned for your church. And over the course of the next six months, our elder team, our finance team, and I begin to try to answer that question, what could God do through our church if God would continue to be faithful for the next 25 years like he had been for the past seven or eight? We actually wrote up a 25-year vision plan that we just call Potential and said, if God just keeps doing what he's been doing, at the end of 25 years, here's what our ministry in our city and around the world could look like. And then from there, we backed up and said, what type of facility would we need to to be this kind of church in our world and in our community. And out of that came everything that you see and drive around over the last year in our church. I would call it our glory story. And that's going to be the first goal of today as we dig into the message. I want to share our glory story with you. I want to share a story that helps you understand how much God matters to our church and what is happening at our church. The apostle Paul said, Whenever you, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of your God. Like whatever you're doing in life, make sure people know how much God matters to that process. Whether it's a meal that you eat or a church building that you build, make sure your whole life is about glory, which means weight, which means matter. Make sure people know how much God matters. So today I'm going to share a little bit of our glory story. If this is your very first time in our church and I already met some who it is, you're going to know a lot about our story by the time you leave. And if you're fairly new in the last few years, you're going to hear more about our story and you'll know who we are and why God is calling us to what he's calling us to. But then I want to invite you to be a part of that. Jesus had three distinct calls to his disciples over his three-year ministry. The first was come and see. Come and see who I am and what I'm doing. They're like, if we follow you, what will that look like? And he just said, come and see. After they'd seen a little bit, he said, come and follow. And after they had followed for a little bit, he said, come and die. You could say that that message went like this. Come check out who I am. Come check out what I can do for you. And then come check out what you can do for the world by living for me. That's what come and see, come and follow, come and die means. Come and check it out. Come see what it has for you and come see what you have for the world living for Jesus. Today is going to be a John 12, 24 day. It's going to be in the come and die. Come and see what you can do for the kingdom type of day. Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Let me ask you a question. What seeds have you sown in your life that will outlive you? If you're a parent, you've sown some parenting seeds in your kids that hopefully will outlive you. If you're a teacher or a coach, you've sown some seeds in your students or your team that hopefully will outlive you. Some of you have physically sown seeds in the ground. You've planted trees and bushes and flowers at your house that long after you move from your house, they'll live at your house because you've chosen to plant things that will outlive you spiritually. What have you done that will outlive you? Spiritually, who have you poured into that will be a legacy of your faith? Spiritually, what have you poured into that long after you're gone, it will still be telling people how much Jesus matters to you? It's one of those types of days. Our reflection question Friday, for those of you who are pretty new and saw your bulletin, we give you a thing to take notes to the message, but then we give you daily reflection questions on a separate sheet of paper so that every morning you can just kind of reflect on what Jesus taught you on Sunday morning, and this week we ask on Friday this question, what sacrifices and impact have you made for the kingdom of God that will outlive you and multiply your faith to the next generation? 
I think that's a question that we all want to be able to answer because I think that's a story we want someone to tell at our funeral. Amen? Like, this person is not here anymore. This is normally where the casket is. That's why I'm doing this. You're like, why are you pointing to the ground? That's where you will be. Um, like, if you have your funeral in this, in this auditorium. This person is not here anymore, but their faith still is. Amen? Don't act like it's not going to happen. The most surprising thing in COVID for me the last year and a half was people thought we could die. It's like, did you not know that? Like, like that, has, that has been true your entire life. Whatever the virus is called, like, we all know that's where we're headed, right? The question is... When you die, does your faith live? When you die, does your legacy live? When you die, does your sacrifice live? See, if you're just a single seed, you you be you, you live for you. But if you'll plant your life and invest, you'll have fruit to come for ages to come. That's what we're asking today. So today's day eight of 21 days of prayer at our church. We've been praying every morning. Day eight of 21 days of prayer today is going to be about spiritual legacy. So we always stop and pray that God will speak to our heart. But today, very specifically, I want you to ask God to speak to you about your spiritual legacy. So would you bow your heads with me this morning? Take that deep breath that settles our soul into this moment. And as we enter day eight of 21 days of prayer, we've been learning about spiritual warfare. We've been learning how much Jesus and his spirit are with us. Question, just as we focus in a few minutes of prayer this morning. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, but hearts are open. What is your spiritual legacy? Who is your spiritual legacy? Would you reflect on that for even 10 seconds this morning? What what have I done that will outlive me spiritually? Who have I poured into and developed that will outlive me spiritually? If you can answer those questions, would you pray that the thing that is your spiritual legacy would have tremendous impact even when you're gone? And would you pray for the person you believe will carry your spiritual legacy, that they will stay faithful and that God's hand will be on them? Father, Jesus teaches us that we are to invest in things that take sacrifice from us but will bring life to someone else. He told us that unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it will remain only a single seed. But if it dies, if it's willing to give of itself, it can produce many seeds. God, help the people in our church, those listening online today from around the world, help us to be a church that shares our life so that we produce much for the kingdom. Help us to be a church that on the day of our funeral can say our life has ended, but our faith continues to have impact. Let that be our story. We love you. We ask that you speak to us today in Jesus' name, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. So we want to start today with number one, our glory story. I just want to tell you a little bit about our glory story. In week one of this Vision Month series, Joshua told the people of Israel that they were to take a pile of stones from the bottom of the Jordan River and they were to set them up where they were camping at Gilgal, kind of just a little north of modern-day Jericho. And Joshua said, these stones will be a reminder of what I've done in your life. These stone, this pile of stones will be your glory story. Every time you look at it, you will think about me and how much I matter to your story. And we said that every event of our life is a stone that builds a pile that is our glory story. 
That's our testimony. Who God is, what God has done in our life. God said everything that's ever happened in your life, every event is just a building block for this thing that people look at, not so they can see and understand you, but so that they can see and understand me. You are God's glory story. Your life has been building God's glory story. But this word glory is a fascinating word. Everybody say glory. Glory. It's a great, great word. In Exodus chapter 33, Moses is standing on Mount Sinai with God, and God said, you can ask me whatever you want to ask me for whatever you want to ask me for. And Moses said, show me your glory. Show me your glory. Exodus 33, 18. That's what I want. I want to see your glory. Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers ever, he preached in London in the late 19th century, said, Moses could not have asked for more. I beg you, show me your glory. It is the greatest petition that man ever asked of God. It seems to me the greatest stretch of faith that I've either heard or read of, a giant amongst giants, a colossus even in those days of mighty men. His request surpasses that of any other man. Why? Because he asked to see God's glory. And what is God's glory? It's a word that's actually in three different words in our Bible. The word glory in the Hebrew is the word kabod. That's how we see it in the Old Testament. In the word Greek, it's the word doxa. In rabbinical literature, it became the word shekinah. So we often see it translated in just kind of the visible representation of God. What is glory? Glory is the splendor of God in his divine presence manifested in a way that is felt and that matters. Moses was saying, God, I want to see you in a way that I can feel you and that matters enough to change my life. God, show me enough of you to change me. Let me feel you. Let me see you. Let me experience you. Let me experience the weight of who you are. Probably the best English words are weight. Glory is weight, something that is heavy. Um, The scientific word for glory would be matter. It's something that takes up space that you can touch and feel. I want to see God is what Moses was saying. We've got a missionary couple in Turkey who's probably watching because they watch church every Sunday who for years, every time I would speak to this guy about what, what God was doing, every time he would hear what God was doing, he'd respond with one word. And guess what that one word is? Glory. Every time he would hear anything that God was doing anywhere, he would say the correct term, glory. He would say, that's how you see God. That's how you feel God. That's how you experience God. Glory. God has manifested himself in what he was doing. Augustine of Hippo, one of the early church fathers who ministered in the 4th and 5th century, said the glory of the martyrs is Christ. He leads the martyrs, gives strength to the martyrs, awards them their crown. What is he saying? What they felt in order to give their life was Jesus. And what we felt when they gave their life was Jesus. They showed us that Jesus mattered more than anything and they were willing to give their life for it, which makes us want to give our life for it. They felt Jesus more than they felt anything else which is how Paul says it in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them. There's there's that word weight. We feel this more than we feel anything else. Here's what Paul is saying. What God is doing in our lives matters more than everything else happening. What God is doing in our life 
the last year and a half matters more than what COVID did to our life. What God is doing in our life the last year and a half mattered more than whatever the election meant to you. What God is doing in our life the last year and a half matters more than anything and everything that you and your family and your kids and your relatives experience. God matters more. Everybody say Jesus. The thought behind 2 Corinthians 4.17 is whatever Jesus is doing matters more than everything else. That's what glory means. Whatever Jesus is doing matters more than everything else. If we were to go back to our reflection question, Wednesday's another pretty good one. A great way to understand glory is to see it as weight or matter. Would people in your life say that you believe that what God is doing in your life matters more than anything else? If we could do a poll of all of your social media friends and the question was, what do you believe matters most? in the life of this person? The answer for you would be what? If the answer is anything but God, I want to introduce you to your idols. And I want to show you what the world believes you worship, what matters most. I think, Christian, that's hard. That's true. And sometimes truth is is hard. But the thought of glory is God matters most. What Jesus is doing matters most. And there are a lot of heavy things going on in life. Remember in Back to the Future when Marty McFly used to call everything heavy and Doc couldn't figure out why everything was so heavy in the future? That's the word glory. That's heavy. Like, why is everything so heavy in the future? Because you feel things deeply. Glory is feeling things deeply. And a lot of us feel momentary troubles deeply. We feel them deeply. As a matter of fact, we've been talking through 21 days of prayer. We've been learning how to experience spiritual warfare, and we've been saying spiritual warfare we feel deeply. We learned the second day of learning about armoring up in spiritual warfare that Satan, the the fight for our soul is right outside the door of our heart, and the primary centers of spiritual warfare are what we feel, what we think, what we desire, and tension in relationships. Almost all of those things are the primary places that Satan is working. But we said even in the midst of all of that, Jesus says we can have faith and hope and love. Like what Jesus is doing can matter more. If you're tracking with us in 21 days of prayer this week, you'll be on page 24 of your journal. You'll be reflecting on the past seven days and you'll be dreaming of the next week what you want God to accomplish in your life. This week, every day of our 21 days of prayer will be about temptation, how to recognize temptation, how to fight temptation, how to win in temptation, how to grow spiritually in temptation. It's going to be an incredible week, but it's going to be a week that reminds us that even when we're facing spiritual warfare, what Jesus is doing matters more. Somebody say, Jesus matters more. That's the thought of glory. Jesus matters more. If we were to get into the theological lexicons of glory and say, show us where we see glory in Scripture, we would see the writers of Scripture every time saying God's presence and power were present, His glory was present. Anytime God's greatness in acts were moving, God's glory was present. We refer to the home of God in our end-time home, God's throne in our eternal home, as a place of glory. Why? Because it will be a place where God matters more than anything, and we feel the presence of God in all that it is. All of these things are things that are represented by God's glory. When God is moving in power, when God is present, when God is doing things, when, when people are finding a spiritual home through Jesus, God's Savior, God is being glorified. And if I were to look at our story the last few years, I believe we've seen a glory story in what God is doing at Journey. 
I believe we've seen not only God's presence, but God's power working on our behalf. We've seen God acting in ways. When you understand a little bit of the story like I do, you will say, God did that. We've seen a place where God is building a spiritual home for us and calling people to an eternal home through our church. Like we are living right now in the midst of a glory story. There's this thing on social media. I don't have social media because it's never done a good thing spiritually for me in life. So a few years ago, I thought if it doesn't build me up, I'm going to let it go. Um, and, I, and I let it go and I've never regretted it. But apparently kids have it. My wife has it. There's a, there was a thing going on this year called like how it started and like where, where it is now. Is that, it's like, is that the thought how it started, where it is now? Or something like that doesn't matter. But let me tell you our story, kind of where we started and where we are now. So this is kind of how it started. So this is like an overview picture of where our church is now. So let me tell you how it started. In 2016, we moved into this little building that's marked in blue. We had this little parking lot that's marked in yellow. And this was our property, the blue square. That's it. That's how it started. And honestly, I would have rather not even to have done that as a pastor. I would have wanted to meet in the school forever. But at that time, the school didn't want churches. And they're like, you have to leave and build a church. We do not want you meeting in our school. So that's kind of that's how it started. And we outgrew this place that you're sitting in. You say, how's it going? Well, you can see kind of what we've expanded to by buying our neighbor's land and expanding our building and doing all that. Those, those were things that really I wasn't real high on doing either. I was with a friend in Israel in uh, 2018. And I was kind of telling him the story of what was going on in our church and we think we're going to have to build. And I said, I'd like rather not do this. I always go to Israel about two days before the group gets there so I can get two good nights of sleep before I teach because I teach about 40 times over nine days in Israel. And this guy and his wife, one of my great friends at Journey named Mark Sharp, um, had decided to fly over, spend a day in Paris, and then meet us in Israel. So he was there early in Israel. So it was just me and Ken, our worship leader, and Mark and his wife Cricket roaming the streets of Jerusalem for a day. And as we were riding from Jerusalem to the airport to pick up the rest of the group, I was explaining to him, I think we're going to have to build, I think we're going to have to buy land, I'd rather not do this, like, why can't we just have church, blah, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he looked at me and said, like, listen, um, your job is just to get on stage and teach. Like, you're a, you're a mouthpiece, that's it. And I love you, but like, at the end of the day, God made you to get up and teach. You need to leave the details to him. If he wants to build a church and bring more people, that's really none of your concern. You just get up on stage and preach, and God will take care of everything else. And I thought... And he's right. So our story began to evolve a little bit. As you drive up, this is kind of what you see of our church now. The blue was where it started. The, the white is kind of how it's going. And if you take the top off that building, you can see that we're just going to be able to massively multiply our impact to people spiritually, to more people spiritually, to our community spiritually as we continue to grow. But what you need to understand is between shaping our 25-year vision and saying we think this is probably what we need as a home base to do it, between February of 2019 and today, I'm not sure if you've noticed, it's not been an easy like two and a half years. As a matter of fact, I would say it's been a difficult two years. But I would also say that God is working. And what God is doing matters deeply. See, as I talk to you about our glory story, I would say this. Our story's not been an easy story, but it has been a glory story. And I think sometimes that's the main point. I think sometimes God receives the glory at the hardest parts of our story. And I think that's where Isaiah 43 really begins to come. Because sometimes the hard things make it really easy to see when and where God shows up. 
So the first night I was ever in this room with hundreds of our volunteers sharing the vision of our new building, you know, I kind of got down off the stage and I was standing literally right here and one of our volunteers came up to me and said, I don't know why I feel like this is impressed on my spirit, but I feel like God told me that you're supposed to go home and read Isaiah 43 tonight because that's going to be your story. I feel like God had told you to live in Isaiah 43. And I thought, okay, I got it. I'll go home and I read it. If I like it, I'll agree with it. If I don't, I'll be like, that wasn't a word from the Lord. So like, I, like, I went home and I read it. And I liked it. And I was like, that was a word from the Lord. Here is Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 7. I had you turn there earlier. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they won't sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. Since you are precious and honored in my sight and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my, what's the word? glory whom I formed and who I made. Man, I read that and I received that. And let me tell you what I heard as I laid in bed that night. Don't be afraid, Christian. God is with you, Christian. You're mine, Christian. You won't be burned. You won't be washed away. God is going to call everyone back. And I was like, yes, I received that. Let me tell you what the text also said that I did not, that I did not apply to myself. Christian life is scary. Christian, you're going to feel really, really alone in this next season. Christian, you're going to have to walk through the fire. You're going to tread water in a raging river. I'm going to have to call people back because over the next two years, they're going to scatter everywhere, and you're going to wonder if anyone's going to come back. See, like both of those things were in the text. I just missed, I just missed the hard parts the first time through. But now that I'm on the back end of experiencing them, The glory of God was seen in the difficult parts of the story. The glory of God is seen that when I was afraid, God was there. And when I felt alone, someone showed up. And when it felt like the flames were too hot, I got through it. And when I thought I was going to drown, I survived. And when I thought everyone was gone, God called him back. Like the glory parts of the story were the hardest parts that God saw us through. And right now, the vision for this building that our kid, like your elementary school children today are already living in the glory story. Some of our adults at 9, 30, and 11 will worship in our venue. They'll be in the glory story. And the one that's coming next door, folks, it's a God story. It's a God story. What he has done in this season, it's a God story. And today, I want to invite you to be a part of it. Because I think when you understand what God has done and how close we are to the finish line, maybe today God brought you here to help us. See, the stewards of our glory story, the people who were responsible for dreaming and taking care of our glory story were our elder team. We just added three new elders to our elder board, our process. They were nominated by our congregation in January. 
They went through an extensive application and interview process. By May, we had chosen three men out of our congregation that you nominated to say, hey, these men should help lead our church. Saturday, um, this Saturday, those three new elders will be commissioned at our Saturday morning prayer service. Next Sunday, you'll have an opportunity to meet them and hear a little bit about their story. Our elder team and our finance team were stewards of this vision. We chose to live in faith, to build a process, to bathe it in prayer, and then to tell the people and trust them for what God was going to do. We built a plan and said, God, please help us with the plan. We did what Jesus said to do anytime you're going to like set out to build something new. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not, not able to finish it, everyone who sees it is going to ridicule you and say, this person began to build, but they were not able to finish. Part of our glory story is the estimate of what we thought this building was going to cost. So in late fall of 2019, we gave this entire project to our architect and we invited a general contractor in to kind of estimate how much the building was going to cost. And they said, it appears just by estimates that at this point in that time, this building is going to be a 20 to $22 million project. And we were like, oh man, that's, that's probably way too much. We don't think we'll be able to build all of it. So let's pick and choose what we can build now and what we can build later. But let's go ahead and have the whole thing drawn up and bid again right before we get ready to build it. When we estimated that building in the fall of 2020, because no one had any work and everyone had a bunch of supplies, the estimate came back at $16 million. Four to $6 million right off the top because of when we started. People who needed to work, supplies that needed to be used. I walked through the building with one of the men on our building team just two weeks ago. And he said, Christian, if we were to start building the building today, one year later, today it would be 21 to 23 million. You're not even going to be able to get steel for a year. You're not going to be able to put trusses in the roof. Like literally we lived in a pocket of time. If we'd have started before we started, probably couldn't have afforded it. And if we'd have started after we started it, probably would not have been able to afford it. But as God is only God can. Is only God can take five to seven million right off the top and say, let me, let me show you how you can do this. Do it in my timing. As only God can, he wrote a story for us that only he could accomplish. I say it this way. God provided a journey with a new building and a sanctified. The word sanctified means set apart. Like he literally pulled it from the past because it wouldn't fit there. And he pulled it from the future because it wouldn't fit there and said, here's when you're going to have to in faith build this building when you have like 350 people coming on Sunday morning, you're going to have to have the faith to build a building that seats 1,200 people. But if you will trust me, for such a time as this, I've given you this project. Go, run, believe, pray. And it was like, God, here we go. So in this moment of time, we begin. We ask our people to pray about pledging towards this project total. And we had hoped that maybe 7 or $8 million would come in, and our people in December of 2019 pledged $10.7 million against the cost of this $16 million building. That's how it started. You say, how's it going? Let me share a story that just tells you how it was going in my head and in my heart, and then I'll tell you how it's really going. So one of the people who made a pledge as a part of that $10.7 million for our building was my then 16-year-old daughter, Casey, who was leading worship today. If you don't know her, she was, she was the one over here singing in the, in the jean jacket. And I'll never forget, we were riding down Prior Road. We were approaching the stoplight um, on, on Longview Road right there. So we were coming from the church and heading towards Chipman. 
And she said, Dad, I want to tell you what I believe God has led me to give. She's 16 years old. I said, all right. She said, let me tell you how I, let me, like, let me tell you how I got there and let me tell you what my pledge is. She doesn't even know I'm sharing this story today. Is she even in, is she in the room? So, yeah, sorry, Case. Um, <laughs> so she says, I've been putting together how much money I think I can give over two years. And like, if I give like all of my allowance, we, like not an allowance, but we, at that point in time, we were giving her $100 a month spending money. Like when we got paid, she got paid. It's like, here's $50, don't spend it all in one place. Um, she worked like 10 hours a week at Hy-Vee. Um, she babysat some, and she was giving guitar lessons to like a kid or two. And she's like, if I take half of the money you and mom give me, if I take half of the money that I get from Hy-Vee, if I add some more babysitting jobs and I can get up to like five or six students that I'm teaching guitar, like I think over the next two years, I could give like twenty-five dollars or $2,800 towards the building project. It's like, Casey, that's awesome. And she said, so I'm going to pledge 4000 because like, because you said, if you can figure out a way you're going to do it financially, like God may not be in it. So like given faith, not finances. So I'm going to give a $4,000 pledge. I told that story to Danielle when I got home and Danielle said, what do you think? And I said, that's the absolute dumbest thing that I've ever heard in my life. Like, is that what I told people? Like, did I tell people? Did I tell people in church, like figure out what you can give and then just make up a number bigger? Because like, if, if that's what I did, we're in trouble. Like... 10.7 is probably like 3.4, just make it up. It's like, oh my gosh, what do we, like, what have I done? Is that what Daniel's like? No, you like, that's not what you did. You just said, make sure you're giving in faith, not in fear. Make sure, make sure you're believing God for what you can give and what he'll give you back. So Casey, my 16-year-old daughter makes a $4,000 pledge to our building that she's got no way to give. And then God begins to do crazy things. Danielle and I were like many of you um, that during COVID, we, um, we were able to keep our jobs, um, but the government kept sending us stimulus money, a lot of it for my kids under the age of 17. So every time I got it, I was just like, here you go, passed it on to her, and she threw it right in her building fund. One of the children's workers um, at our team got to know Casey, and she's like, you need to leave your job and come work at Jack Stack and help me. Literally, her salary doubled in a day. Because she said, I can't work on Sundays. Like, well, everyone has to work on Sundays. But um, if you're willing to work every holiday, you don't have to work regular Sundays because we know your church is important to you. And we're like, Case, give up every. Like, mom and I work holidays, give them all up. What we didn't know is on holidays, you get twice as many tips as at regular time. She started making all this money. They gave her all this hours. And, like, we're three months away, and this, like, 17-year-old kid is going to have given $4,000 to a building project. And she's not the only one. That's how the whole process is going. $10.7 million pledged as of today with literally 90 days to go. 9.1 of that has already come in. 85% has already been given. As we've talked with people who have pledged and made a faith commitment in this process, we feel very confident that another million will come in by Christmas, which will take us to 94% of what was pledged. And a lot of people like Casey, they just made it up and like, like hope, and like hope that God would be there. And like he has, he keeps coming through. Like we think we're going to get almost 95% of the way there. The problem is in a project this large, 6% of money not coming in is about $600,000. That people have said, listen, in 2019, um, I pledged it. I believed I could give it. It's just not going to happen right now. That is where your invitation comes in. You say, what are we going to do? We're going to finish the building. Our elders wanted me to let you know, we're like no manipulation, no guilt, no fear. We're going to finish the building. 
the bank is more than willing to finance that 600000 gap if we, if we have it. Um, that will change our debt repayment plan. Right now we have a debt repayment plan to pay off all of our debt within 10 years so that we can move our missions giving from 15% to 30%. That's our goal every time we take an offering to give the first 30% out in global missions, church planning, and community outreach. So that, that might take a little longer if we don't close the gap. But we're going we're gonna to finish the building. But what we do know is we have hundreds of people who go to our church now who did not go in 2019, who have never even been asked to help. And you're trying to figure out this church has impacted us. How do we impact the church? We also have hundreds of people in our church who probably in 2019, just like those who thought they could give in 2019 and now can't, have hundreds of people in our church who in 2019 thought they could not give, and they now can. Um, we can also figure out at the end of the process what can we just wait, what can we wait on? What, you know, what couple hundred thousand dollars can we trim if we absolutely have to? But our goal first, before we figure that out, is to let the people know what the need is and see who God is calling to help. I believe we've got teenagers in our church, lots of them who can probably give $500 by the end of the year. I believe probably we'll have someone sitting in our church today who could give it all. I, re- like I really believe that if they wanted to, but God would have to tell them to. But I believe we have a lot of you who believe in investing in things who will outlive you. And our invitation to you today is this. God is working. And like Esther's uncle, cousin told her, he'll finish the thing with or without us. That's what he does. But I want to invite you to be a part of our glory story. If you've been looking at this building and thinking, man, I just can only imagine the ministry that this church will not have in this community long after I'm gone, maybe God will call you to be a part of this. The gap that we're trying to close between now and Christmas is $600,000. And what we're asking every person at our church to do is to pray to see what part of that, if any, God would have for you. Some of you have given, you've met your pledged. God might be saying, you can do a little more. Some of you didn't pledge anything. Now you can. God's saying, do something. Some of you are brand new to our church, and God is saying, do a lot. I actually brought you because I was going to load the bases, and I need you to, like, I need you to clear them. Swing for the fences because it's going to be part of their glory story and your spiritual legacy. As we wrap up Vision Month, the vision for your month, for your life that I'm presenting to you is you can help us leave a legacy in this community long after we are all gone. Inside all of your bulletins is, um, or not in your bulletins, but in the seat pocket in front of you is a little pledge card like this. It looks familiar for those of you who are around in 2019. I'm not going to ask you to do anything with this card today other than maybe just take it and begin to pray over it for a week or two. But if you would be willing and able, if you'd be willing to ask God, am I supposed to help? And then if he answers you and says, yep, and here's what I want you to do, The next three Sundays, we're going to give you an opportunity to turn in these pledge cards at the bottom. You just rip off that bottom portion. And when you come in church and leave church, those boxes on the back of the wall, you'll put this in and just say, hey, by Christmas, you can, by Christmas, you can trust me to give this much more, to give this much for the first time, to give this gift above my regular ties and giving. I'm going to real clearly market building by Christmas. I'm going to help you finish the race that God has called this church to begin. Um, you could just put your name on it. There's all kinds of kind of finance information on this. Maybe a lot of people give a little bit up front and then finish after a few months. 
if, if you want to figure out how much would that be weekly, how much would it be monthly, how much would it be twice a month, you can figure out that. Um, if you say, hey, I'd like to give through stocks or bonds or assets, like there's lots of different, lots of things that this card will explain to you. If you're like, I want to help, I feel like God's telling me to help, this card will help you do that. And in the next three weeks today, October 3rd, October 10th, we'll be collecting cards. And when that's done, it'll be over until we move into our building. And when we move into our building, we'll tell you where we wrap the thing up with. But we are in our bell lap. For those of you who have run track or you've ever been to a horse race that has more than one lap, when the first person starts the last lap, with, like when the last lap of the race begins, they ring the bell to let everyone know we're almost done. The fourth quarter of 2021, which is going to come in five days, is our bell lap. One more quarter. And our prayer as a team is that we will not limp to the finish line, but that we will sprint to the finish line. And this fourth quarter for some of you is a relay race. Um, and I'm hoping you do better than the American relay team um, did, in a- did in Athens for those of you who watched the Olympics this year. Because there's some people in our church, God used their faith in 2019, and he knew then they would not have any money in 2021, but he knew he needed their faith in 2019 to get to 2021 because they were going to hand their baton to faith to someone who wasn't even at our church yet then and say, I need you to finish for me. My faith started it. How God has blessed you is going to help us finish that. In Acts chapter 20, Paul was finishing his third missionary journey, and people were trying to get him to relax and take some time off, but he said, I'm not done yet. He said, I got to go to Jerusalem. They said, that might be really, really hard on you. We get back to the theme of sacrifice. He said, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Our goal in the fourth quarter of this year, and we won't talk about it. We're going to jump right back into Scripture and act like we're not even building a building for the last 90 days of the year. But today, we're going to tell you there's a task to finish. There's a lap to go. And if God is calling your heart to help, we trust you're here. He brought you here. He's blessed you so you could bless. And we're just going to keep running until we reach the finish line. But we trust some of you are going to run that final lap with us. Would you bow your heads and pray with me as we consider everything that we hear, heard today? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed all over the room. God, God, today we seek your glory. We seek to experience it. We seek to feel it. We seek to live in it now, and we seek to one day live in it eternally. God, we seek your glory. Thank you, God, for the reality that journey is a glory story. It's something that happened that if my friend in Turkey heard, heard this message, he would just respond, glory, glory. That's a God thing, glory. God, we pray that our lives, the story of our lives, the legacy of our lives and the legacy of our church would be a God thing. Thank you, Lord, for the sanctified gap of time that you gave us as a church to start this building project. And thank you for those that you sent to our church, some who are brand new, some who are, who've been here for a while, but now they're in a brand new place to help. Thank you for those who will help us finish. God, right now by faith, if you want people in this room or those watching online to help us finish our race strong, speak to them right now. God, I don't tell people to give. We really don't even ask people to give. We just give them opportunity. You tell people to give. You give them the ability, you give them the the prodding, and then, Lord, you help them give, sowing seeds that will outlast them. If you're speaking to hearts today, help them to obey in faith 
And Lord, like my little Casey, to receive what their faith has birthed. God, we love you and we need you. And we pray in this season that you would help us to finish with a sprint. That's our prayer. Today we ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.